0: You're listening to EOD Gear Improvised with your host, former Navy EOD tech and owner of EOD Gear, Steve Cassidy. Steve Cassidy.
1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm sitting here with Efren Matos, uh, former SEAL team. Uh, if you're going to ask, he's uh, graduated with class 291. Uh Did time with SEAL teams, uh, got out, and then volunteered to fight against ISIS and was shot during a rescue mission. Uh, After getting out, wrote a book, City of Death, the Battle of Mosul, and has recently started a 501c3 stronghold rescue and relief. And uh, so we're just going to cover a few things today on just basically his past experience and what he's doing now, which is really fascinating. Um, living here in Nashville, Ephraim. Thanks for coming to Nashville uh, with everybody else. I think there's probably 100, 200 people that move in every day. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to happy to be here. It's so, a great city. So thank you for your service. Um, as always, we got a lot of a lot of veterans listening. Um, so now you have Stronghold Rescue and Relief. Uh, where? How did how did you come into that?
2: Yeah. So when I when I was in the Seal teams. I spent a lot of time traveling the world. I spent a lot of time in the Middle East and throughout Southeast Asia. And uh, during all that time, I I saw the effects of war. uh, But then I also saw where there were gaps, sort of in um, people being helped. So you've got people in, you know, the middle of the jungle and and Burma, for example, and nobody's really helping them. Our government's not getting involved in that. And so when, when I joined the Seal teams. My goal uh, at a very basic level is I just wanted to help people. I wanted to go fight bad guys and uh, you know stop stop them from doing the evil things that they do. Um, and I just found that there were a lot of gaps that weren't being filled in the need around the world, um, and that I and I felt like I could do more if I got out of the Seal teams and went and did something else. So uh, in 2017, I got out of the Navy and went to Iraq. And volunteered as a humanitarian, and ended up basically becoming essentially like a frontline combat medic, even though that was not my job or specialty at all uh, when I was in the teams. But I'd had enough training, so I was able to, to sort of fill that um, fill that space. And so a lot of the work that I did was it was humanitarian, and then it also ended up becoming the uh, you know more combat medic related side of things. And and I found that as I was doing this work, again, as a civilian, as a volunteer, I found that this was, it was a perfect fit for me. uh, And this Mm -hmm. was exactly where I wanted to be. This is exactly where I needed to be. So uh, as you alluded to earlier in in the introduction, um, I ended up getting hit um, on on a rescue mission, going to get a little girl from a pile of corpses. And um, during, during the time that I was healing up from that, I was contacted actually by some folks in Burma saying that they needed some help with uh, their, the, the the local government there was attacking the, the different tribes, the ethnic minorities. And so they basically were asking for help. They said, Hey, can you come in and help us just help us? You know, how, can you just basically act in an advisory role to help us stop these bad guys so we can defend our people? Because the the central government there in Burma, is uh, constantly attacking and killing and raping and destroying villages uh, of all the ethnic minorities in the outer regions. And so I thought, yeah, absolutely, here's a perfect opportunity for me to go and help.
1: So you were you were in Iraq, you get shot, you were healing up. Where were you healing up at? I was I was in Wisconsin. Okay, um, back, and back home. And
2: then actually the funny thing is when I, when I was contacted by these guys, I was in Thailand at the time because I went to a buddy of mine, his, he has a Muay Thai camp out there. And so I spent a month at this Muay Thai camp to kind of get myself back in shape um and during the time I was also I was also working on the book uh, City of Death and that's when I was contacted by these guys and at the time I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next or what I, how I could take my skills from and my background as from being a seal how can I use that to help more people and so that's when I was contacted by these guys uh through some friends who who lived in the area and so what was supposed to be a 3 week trip into the uh burmese jungle ended up being a 3 month um adventure of going from village to village in all these different locations, helping with the local civilians, helping them basically set up, uh, their defensive and communication capability to react when these, when these attacks happened. And then in May of that year, May of 2018, the bad guys, the the central, you know, the Burmese government, they launched an attack and, you know, there was a group of guys that I that I'd worked with and had you know done some advising for, and they went in and they did a great job um, defending this group of people, this this large group of uh, villagers who had to run away, and, and none of the villagers were hurt, uh, none of them got into contact at all with these with the uh, with the bad guys, and so then I thought, okay, well here here we go, this is this is this is my new calling, this is what I need to do, so I started Stronghold Rescue and Relief, and the reason it's rescue and relief is because. I don't want to just do one aspect or the other. You have to have the humanitarian side, sort of the, the, the heart up. and the fist. Yeah, the follow up, mm-hmm. and you have to take care of people's physical needs a lot of times too. So you have people who, for example, in again in, in Burma, they are now homeless. They have to run away from these, you know, advancing uh, you know, militaries who are coming in there and trying to take over their land. And so now they're homeless living in the jungle. And that's, uh, if you spend any time in the jungle, man, that is a, that is a rough environment to try and survive in. And so these people, they have nothing. So they need food, they need shelters, they need, um, medicine. And so we do, uh, we, we bring both aspects to bear.
1: So I saw a picture of you on Instagram where you had just delivered Was it 11,000 pounds of rice Mm -hmm. to a local village? That was,
2: yeah, that was actually to a refugee camp on the um, border in Thailand. And it was that refugee camp, Mela refugee camp, was made up of all the different ethnicities from all all the ethnic minorities from Burma who have been displaced. So there were people in there who were uh, Rohingya Muslims, there were uh, Karen Buddhists, there were uh, Kachin Christians all packed into this little spot right there on the border uh, because Thailand uh, is is gracious enough to, you know, kind of give them this spot where they can run to safety. But what – the reason I started Stronghold and the reason why we're doing – why what we're doing is different is I don't want to just bring in rice to feed refugees – I would much rather that they harvest their own rice. I would much rather that they that they never become a refugee in the first place, so everything that we do our our first and foremost and our primary objective with any mission that we do with any any work that we do overseas is to prevent these things from happening so if i can if I can teach a village or a group of villagers or a tribe in a, a specific area, how to defend themselves, how to evacuate their people, how to communicate quickly and get people to safety. Well, now guess what? Now you don't have women being raped. Well, now guess what? You don't have kids getting killed. Well, now guess what? You don't have villages being burned or if they are burned, at least nobody was hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I would much prefer to do that than s- constantly spend, you know, 10 times the amount of money, right? Cause I, we're, we, we subsist off of donors, so, if you donate to Stronghold Rescue and Relief, I want your money to go as far as it can possibly go, and also make sure that these people can keep their keep their homes. Keep, you know, eat your own rice. They're, because then it's no longer charity; it's 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 dignity. Now they have their dignity. Mm-hmm. Now they're uh, autonomous, and they can live. Um, they can live
1: freely and happily, just like we would want to. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. So you're in Nashville. And uh, you're you're setting up here. And I'm glad you stopped in. So just just as a note of point, uh, I met Ephraim last week when he came in uh, to EOD Gear Nashville. And uh, you never know who's going to walk in here. So uh, just a, just as a warning, if you ever come in here, you may get strapped with headphones and get forced to be on a podcast like Ephraim. <laughs> so uh, um really want to recommend you guys coming in. But, you know, I came in to, to look at some stuff, and, and I was just uh, really excited about his story and what he was doing. So you're in Nashville and uh, obviously you can travel. Uh, you know, where's what's your schedule looking like here? What are, what are you doing in the next week? What are you doing in the next month or this rest of the year? Yeah. Um, maybe we have somebody out there who can say, Hey, I'd really love to hear your story. Come on out to this place and speak here mm-hmm. and meet some people here. What, what all are you?
2: Well, yes. For First to comment. Like I, uh, there's, you know, multiple tactical stores in the, in the area and I went and checked out a bunch of them because I was trying to uh was trying to find some some body armor and, and a plate carrier <laughs> and uh I saw your guys uh, I saw you guys on the on the web so I walked in here and uh yeah this is like this is this this spot is super cool. Um the whole Thanks. setup you got going on in here. So if you're in the Nashville area come definitely come check out EOD well, gear.
1: everybody has a rappelling and fast rope tower and what yeah, you throw and, flash thing and yeah. And, yeah.
2: <laughs> And 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 you guys, you guys make fake bombs in here too, which is pretty funny. Yeah, they're they're fake. Sure, (laughs) they're fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was actually funny. Like when I when I came in here uh, last week, yeah, you handed me a block of C four, and I was like, at first, I was like, this looks like a like you know this is a block of C four. What are you doing with this? And I flipped it over, and it was inert. And I was like, okay, thank God. And and, and it's
1: it's available on GSA. Now I don't want to come off as Joe Rogan with a commercial every so. No, no, no. Uh,
2: yeah, so what I've got going on right now, actually, I think two or three weeks ago, I actually just spoke at Liberty University. So um, right now, being stateside, this is my chance to do fundraising, do uh, publicity, and I think... See, watch two, the Packers. Watch the Packers, yeah. I'm a big Packers fan. Grew up in Milwaukee. Um, All right, Rogers, if you're listening, you a good job <laughs> last night. You had me worried. Glad you pulled it out. Yeah. Um, my schedule coming up is I think in about two weeks. I'm going down to Florida to be. i will be in the uh, Jacksonville area um, doing some TCCC uh, training. Um, I'm going to be uh, getting basically recertified TCCC for people that don't know. That's just medic. Uh, it's just medical stuff that uh, you know SWAT teams and other military units use. It's uh, tactical combat casualty sure. care. So I'll be doing a course down there with some SWAT guys, and then I'm actually going to Brazil. Because we may very well also be embedding and working with the Brazilian police to provide medics, because uh, they do a lot of anti-human anti-human trafficking missions down there, and they are in desperate need of medics and guys that can go down there and help out. Um, and so we're going to be going down there to see if, or to, to see to see how we can best help them and, and work with them. And then I'll be down in Colombia probably uh, late November.
1: That's that's the country, not the city, south of yes, Nashville. Yeah, the, uh, the home you know, office. You know, it's
2: funny. I people, <laughs> I, I I mention Colombia all the time, but only in the south. Or do people, you know, they say, "Oh, Colombia the city" or "Colombia the country." So it's it's. I have to learn to. Yeah, you uh, have to call it the
1: home office.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going down to Colombia because we now have we have an operation on the Colombian-Venezuela border, uh, where we work with ex um, ex Maduro regime guys who are against the regime. And they help smuggle um, humanitarian supplies into the country. So there's Neither. kids all throughout uh, Venezuela who need medicines that cost four dollars. So literally, literally a four dollar um, anti fever medicine uh, can literally save a child's life. And of course, they're they're eating terrible food and drinking dirty water because there's no resources there. And so you have kids dying from the most simple and treatable diseases that cost $4 to, to get medicine for. The problem is in Venezuela, an entire month's wages right now is $4. So you can't survive off of that. So, uh, and then there's other kids with, with serious problems or um, parasites or things like that from eating and drinking all this, all these uh, dirty substances. And so we have teams of guys who go in undercover and find kids who are, are sick and they deliver them, Uh, the medicine and things that they need and food to make sure that they, that they don't die. And we also have a facility inside Colombia. It's like 400 yards away from the Venezuelan border. And that's, it's basically a safe house where refugee kids and their families can come. They get a little bit of schooling. We have showers in there. Uh, We have clean drinking water and that's extremely significant because again, everybody's bathing in the river. Kids are getting sick. Uh, Kids are getting lice, all kinds of problems. Uh, are happening because these people just don't have any resources, and we're just a drop in the bucket. There's millions of 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 these refugees, of these Venezuelan refugees in Colombia, but we're you know, you can't save everybody as much as you want to. Um, but with every dollar, with every with every penny that comes in, we can at least save one. We can help you know. I can't save everybody, but I can save that kid that's right in front of me and help him or her. Um, so yeah, we've got operations going on in Venezuela, Colombia, and Burma, and potentially uh, Brazil.
1: Okay. next month. Now, is there a place you're looking to go to, or do you kind of wait till you're invited by somebody to come in? Like, Hey, we need your help. Or if yeah. you had somebody here in the States who was like, Hey, I got family and friends over here could use your, use what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're open for those conversations as well. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm certainly open to those conversations. The what's, what's interesting is I get a lot of, you know, I'll talk with people and kind of tell them what I do and how I got into it. And people always ask, they're like, how do you, how did you end up you know, in the middle of the Burmese jungle, how do you have teams of people going into Venezuela? How do you have you know a facility in Colombia? Like how the heck did you get into that and and how do you, and again, how do you choose where you go next? And it's very much word of mouth. It's very much um, when you start operating in these circles, you should start networking and meeting other people and you find mission sets that work for what 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 we can offer so you know there's 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 tons of people around the world that are let's say you know refugees that need food or or clean water or something like that that's not our main job our main job is to prevent these things from happening and i'm also only telling half of the story cuz a lot of stuff i just simply can't talk about for the security of the people who sure. who do
1: the operations um and if there's if there's somebody here in the states mm-hmm. obviously a veteran or somebody who's concerned whether Maybe they're not the person who's going to commit financially, but maybe there'd be a good uh, body on the ground. We should get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Um, say like, hey, I'm really bored with what I'm doing now. I need to go. This sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. So you're open to those conversations? I, I, I Yes and no.
2: Yes and no. Let me clarify. Because... What, what happens is th- th- I, I get messages literally every day from people who want to volunteer with the organization and want to go overseas. Cause they kind of hear about some the more, the kind of the fun fun side of things that we do. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and it, and it, a lot of times it is fun. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's, you know, I've got to spend months in the, you know, Burmese jungle literally by myself with a tribe, literally no other, uh, they call them, uh, you know, no other, no other Westerners out there. And, um, it, it's cool and it's an honor to be able to go do that. But the problem is I don't need, I don't need the best people. I need the right people. Right. If that makes sense. So I've had guys that are uh, other seals, SF, you know, guys that are way, way more qualified, way more trained than I am. And I just have to tell them like, Hey man, like this probably isn't a good fit for you because this isn't about going in and um, you know, kicking indoors and killing bad guys. It's, it's not like that. You're not, you're not a, um, you're not in the military anymore, yes, we do operate in areas where you need to carry a gun. Uh, yes, there have been times where I've had to return fire. Uh, yes, I've been hit doing this, but that's that's the you know sort of the the one percent of the time. The rest of it is investing into the populations and into the people and it's a lot of it' suffering. A lot of it is just as cool as it is to be able to say that you know I've been to several places where You know, no Westerner has been since the end of World War II, and you know, to have villagers come up to me and say, "Hey, I've never seen, I've never seen a white person before."
1: Yeah, Um, I was in uh, the jungles of Papua New Guinea uh, with the State Department QRF, and you know, it's it's in between Australia and the Solomon Islands, mm -hmm. and we're going around to these villages, and these little kids took off screaming and crying; they'd never seen a white guy before. They thought I was a ghost.
2: (laughs) Right, right, And, and as cool as those stories are there's also this element of i guess suffering i guess, I don't want to use it's it's that's a rough word to use but i'll just say suffering where it's like hey man it's it's an investment it's a sacrifice sacrifice mm-hmm. that's a better word uh, you have to be out there for weeks and sometimes months at a time to really make a big difference so long story short if people are interested in in volunteering you know for sure send us a message check out our website uh, strongholdrescue.org um but Really, the way that we recruit people and bring people in, it's very much um, word of mouth, and it's sort of um, it, it's more of like a uh, friend of a friend kind of thing. If, if somebody who I know, who I who I work with, and um, I completely trust, says, "Hey, talk to this guy; he he'd, he'd be good at it," um, then you know, then we'll bring you in. Um, but it's very much it's very much word of mouth. It's not necessarily um, an application process,
1: okay. unfortunately. Okay, but yeah. money is always welcome.
2: Money, I, yeah, we're we're a nonprofit organization, man. Like money is always welcome, um, and and yeah, and again with with my organization, I strive to make it as efficient as possible. I I have built the organization around the same concepts and same principles that we used in the SEAL teams when you go into a foreign country and are there to help, um, and we work with the locals. We make things as effective as possible. And efficient as possible. Um, we do every all of our charity is done with dignity. That's one of our three core principles: is charity with dignity. And I also, as far as like the rescue teams are concerned, as far as the actual sort of um, foreign internal defense uh, for the military folks out there, that we do, um, I limit my teams to four men. I never there's never more than four. Um, and then we because we, I want to train the locals. I want I want them to have these skills. So all that to say the money is used extremely efficiently because what will happen is uh, in, in a traditional organization is you'll have a group of people, you'll have an organization that's interested in helping. Um, again, we'll, we'll, just say, we'll just say Burma. And what they'll do is they'll send a group of 10 people to come and check out the situation, right? They'll send a doctor, they'll send a logistics person, they'll send a person who understands communications, they'll send a team leader, they'll send a, you know another medic, they'll send, they'll send all these different people well, again, we operate kind of off of the special operations model. No, no, no. I want I want two to four people who have all of those skills combined. I want a guy who can do the communications piece, can do the weapons and 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 uh, defense piece, and who can also do basic medicine and who can also lead the team. So now, now that's instead of having four different people come out, I now I have one person and think about just flights, just from a financial point of view, just the flights going there. Yeah. I mean, you just saved $7,000. And again, remember in Venezuela, $4, $4 can literally save a child's life. And that's not like an infomercial, you know, Sarah Mm -hmm. McLaughlin and (laughs) the arms of the angels (laughs) infomercial. Like, no, that's, that's reality. And so, um, I'm very careful about who we use and how many people we bring in and how we use the money. So yeah, money of course is, and and donations are always, um, a, a huge part of what, Actually, the the only reason we're even able to keep going, of course, it's just the generosity of individual people, and it's and it's great to see the outpouring of support. Who people people of people who want to be involved, um, you know, everything from as little as five dollars to we've you know received a fifteen thousand dollar donation. Like, people see what we're doing, and they know that it's a good investment and and again it's a tax write-off too
1: so (laughs) 501c3 so speaking of the tax write-off coming into the end of the year we're in the last fiscal quarter um, please keep in mind uh, people people that normally do this on a regular basis uh, fully understand this is your CPA is going to come to you at the end of the year and uh, go hey you really made a little bit too much money so you need to give some away so by giving some away you actually save more so um, there is a strategy for that uh, if you've never worked with a CPA before and you're in a, you know, you have some disposable income, uh, definitely a, a way to go. If you're just, if you're just compelled to give, then yes, by all means, give, uh, because you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, given, you, you know, giving back a little bit. So, mm-hmm. well, um, and
2: also, and also too, um, I mean, we, we have a lot of folks, so I, I grew up very, you know, lower middle class and people don't have extra money to give a lot of times. They just don't. It's, tough. it's, it's very tough, and, and, and we get that. So there are other ways to help out, too. You know, follow us on social media, share stuff. Um, but then also, too, what's a really great thing is Amazon Smile. Mm-hmm. So people can go to Amazon Smile and just make Stronghold Rescue and Relief your nonprofit of choice. And then every time that you make a purchase on Amazon, they take a small portion of their profits. doesn't cost you anything. They take a small portion of their profits and then donate it to Stronghold. And so we, you know, we get those checks every, every once in a while, once they reach a certain limit, they send them out. And so it's perfect. So people, you're already shopping, you're already getting your, uh, whatever it is that you're getting online, you can have a portion of that from someone else's profit be donated. So there's, there's other ways to, to, um, to give and, and, and be involved and just, and word of mouth too, of course.
1: Yeah, social media. Make it social work.
2: media, man. It's super weird trying to get, get into the social media game after being a uh, um, military guy. Because for the longest time, I just didn't have it. So yeah, yeah. no, it's super weird. Um, trying to learn about you know Instagram and, and Facebook and all that stuff and uh, try, trying to pick it all up. Definitely an adaptation process for me personally. But
1: Yeah, it's, it could be tough to navigate at times. I've seen some pretty interesting posts out there. <laughs> stuff that I personally would never share. Uh, but uh, people feel i will Obligated to share some things that yeah. other people would be like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: too much information, man. I don't want <laughs> to know what's going
1: on. <laughs> so um, I guess that's pretty, you know, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up here. But, uh, you know, is there a, is there a city you want to go to if you're here in Nashville? You know, like I gave you some names and numbers for people in Franklin and Brentwood area. Uh, is there any place you're, you'd really like to go to make a bigger impact for Stronghold? Are, are you talking about like for speaking? Well, yeah, or, let's say you want to do a speaking event.
2: And well, I, th- I think there's like there's what five or six cities within like a three or four hour, or even like oh, yeah. five hour drive of, of um, like like large cities within like a five hour drive of Tennessee. So yeah, if anybody's in those, if you're if you're anywhere near uh, near Nashville or, or whatever, and want to have me come out and speak, I'd love to. Got some cool uh, video footage and, and good message to, to to give to folks and encourage people. And of course, um, I can sign sign my book and all that stuff for for whoever.
1: Fantastic. Well, guys, this has been Ephramatos, uh, SEAL Team uh, member, author, and humanitarian. Uh, if you're compelled to hear more about him, please uh, find him on social media with Stronghold Rescue. Uh, across your favorite uh, social media outlets and also the website, one more time. Strongholdrescue.org. Strongholdrescue.org uh, is a, uh, a legal 501c3, so your giving will be tax deductible. Uh, last thing for you, man. What else? Just throwing it out there. Do you got a question or an answer or something you want to say to give a shout out to?
2: Uh, no, I appreciate it. This is super cool. Um, every chance that I get to you know talk about talk about what we're doing and tell my story, Um, is is always uh, an honor and a pleasure. and um, Yeah, so I I just appreciate the support, and
1: uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. Awesome, brother. Well, good luck with that. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening in.
0: You've been listening to EOD Gear Improvised. Improvised. With explosive discussions and sound effects. Steve Cassidy, a former Navy EOD tech and owner of EOD Gear. Initial success or total failure. Two locations, one in Nashville and one in Huntsville. The website is eod-gear.com. And you can also see our catalog as an app on Google Play. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. EOD Gear has customers from around the globe. Stand by. Until next time, this is EOD Gear Improvised. Signing off.